0: This is the Evolution Exchange Podcast, a channel that connects some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Andy. I help connect businesses with the best UX and UI freelance talent. And today, I'm your host. Okay, and welcome back to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. And today we're going to be discussing the topic creating high performance teams. So, before we delve deeper into the topic, we're going to work around the room with some introductions. So, Patty, will you please introduce yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Perry Toledo. I'm the Director of Developer Relations at Yahaha and also uh, the leader from the game hub in mid Sweden, Vasta Norderland and the leader of IDTA Sweden. I'm um, Brazilian, I have been living in Sweden for a year, so I'm pretty new here and um, thank you for inviting me.
0: No problem, thank you very much. Let's head over to Marcus. You hey guys, my name
2: is Marcus. I'm the CEO for a company called Gang. Uh, we're fairly, newly started company started a couple of years ago focusing entirely on uh, building games for roblox Uh, and we are growing in a fast pace Uh, we started up with only a few people five people and we are now closing um, i think we're getting up to 40 Uh, and um, doing we're doing well
0: (laughs) nice lovely diana let's come to you
3: Okay. Hi, my name is Diana Donato. I am the animation director of Starbreeze Studios. Uh, what can I say? It's been a year that I've been here like um, um, my colleague. Um, and yeah, like Patty. And
4: yeah, I'm having a blast for now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. And um, Ricard, lastly, please will you introduce yourself for us?
4: I'm the CEO of Adventure Box. We're a game platform where users create games for other users um i've been in the company for 3 years we took it to nasdaq 2 years ago and that was a fun thing to do i should say and um, we're probably i think we'd say we're doing rather good um and thanks for inviting i i look forward to this
0: no problem okay brilliant well uh, it's good to get a bit of context for you all so we're going to dig deeper into the questions we have uh today from the four guests all about creating high performance teams so to kick us off first we're going to head over to Marcus please can you give us your question
2: of course uh, my question is how to create a high performance team uh, while working remotely uh, most companies in the world of course has been working remotely during the pandemic and um, it's probably is quite a a shift for most companies so how do you manage the follow-ups and uh, more importantly how do you keep everyone excited to uh, kind of continue to push forward and deliver uh, to the maximum capacity uh, if you're not sitting in the same room.
0: Okay then well uh, let's hear from Patty first on that then. Uh,
1: First of all I think I failed on my introduction deeply but now that ship has failed. (laughs) I forgot to say what my company does, Uh, but uh, on on the remote work, I think it's all about communications. I have been really lucky that I have been working on remote companies for the last eight years. So it's not like a pandemic thing. It has always been remote. And the secret that all the companies I work on have to, to keep the productivity high is to have a very open communication and to make sure that everybody in the team is listened to, that their ideas are taken into consideration and also a balance of making people feel important uh, overall because that's what make will keep people excited. If they feel that they have no connection with the team members and that their ideas are not being heard, they will just like... Check out of of the whole process, but when they feel engaged in the whole development process, they it's easier for them to feel that even remotely they are important for the the overall product.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. And uh, Diana, what do you think about this?
3: Well, for me, it's a little bit different because even though we have the pandemic and everything, uh, animation-wise, we have to deal with MoCap, and I cannot send everybody in MoCap studio, um, so we cannot do mixed uh, thing. Uh, my juniors, I have them in studio from the very beginning um, as well as my mid-levels uh, because it's much easier to do all the follow-up. Animation is movement and you have to, you know, kind of look up on, over their shoulder most of the time to see if that works. Um, then my seniors that I have at a distance, I mean, they know pretty much their work, so they're pretty autonomous and they come in and out to, uh, to do their mocap up sessions and, and then go back to work and take the data. So for me, it's, it has been hybrid from the beginning. Um, but I think, yeah, I do join Tara. It, it, it has to be an open communication. We have to trust each other even more than when we're in the studio. Because in the studio, we read people when they're passing by, talking to them. Rather than, you know, whether you have a camera on or off, you don't read them that well. Uh, you know what they're up to you know what they're doing you cannot even take a cup of tea like you do in a studio so yeah <laughs> communication is and, and being able to be very open um I think yeah she's right that is the key to it
0: I think you made a really interesting point there where you said it's very much li- much based around trust that's a that's an interesting aspect because you don't really think about that when remote working um but it's a massive aspect isn't it I suppose because you've got to make sure you can't really check up on someone if they're not just right next to you or in the office you have to trust that they'll do that work yeah. um, so ricka what do you think about that
4: i think really you just said it it's trust and it's a new kind of trust now after the pandemic when it's half remote or half not Um i just mentioned this before to some people that if somebody would tell me Uh, as a new employee somewhere that I needed to be at the office five days a week, two years ago, I would not have thought about it, of course. Now I would never go to that company, ever. And that's a complete new trust then that I, as a manager, need to trust them to do their work. And sometimes I have a hard time trusting people when I don't see any work. And that's a risk because maybe they just do something I cannot see. And then it becomes difficult. And then I believe that you need to be open and frank and actually just contact this person and say, this is, I have a problem with trust right now. And some people then really hate when you do that uh, because that's being, that's an awful discussion. Whereas it's actually just an open question. I don't see what you're doing because I don't sit beside you. And, And that's your cultural thing. And since we're all individuals, some people will take that as a, as a not as a broken trust whereas some people will just say well i did this or i didn't have time i did my laundry yesterday (laughs) because both are fine answers if it's uh, but they don't need to be fine answers
0: i mean keeping it uh, like within creating a high performance team the topic so I'll, i'll put this to you marcus since you asked the question if you know someone said that like Nowadays, most people do want to work remotely, at least some, some of the time, some, some days of the week. Would you consider that like creating a high performance team if they work more efficiently working at home?
2: Well, well, I can, I can answer from our perspective, um, because it's quite easy. We, we actually put up our entire company uh, remotely and said it. And um, we did it just pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. So right from the from the bat, we, we started a company with the culture that anyone could work from anywhere they want. And um, we actually created a culture that um, we had an office, so people could go to the office if they wanted, um, but no one was there because everyone wanted to work wherever they wanted to work. Mm-hmm. So, um, so what we did was that we tried to replicate instead uh, an office environment digitally. So we set up on discord and uh, everyone goes into the kind of virtual office every single morning go into their channels sit together with the team talk constantly during the day and if they need to sit alone they sit in a silent channel because then we have access to everyone and then Mm -hmm. we um, try to talk all the time and try to come keep a a fun environment so to answer your question uh, yeah i would (laughs) because we are doing it (laughs) And uh, and uh, it is it is working extremely well, I think. And the, and another good aspect of it is that we are not bound to just hire people in a regional place. Uh, we can actually hire people anywhere in the world by having uh, that remote work. Yeah, this luxury. Yeah. And the last person I hired was in Africa. So wow.
0: it's interesting that you said that uh, you were starting up like the company in that structure of remote working before the pandemic because i think a lot of companies have been either reactive towards like the pandemic has forced people to work remotely and now it's set a trend where people don't want to come into the office all the time whether that be you know fears from covid or now it's settled down a little bit they've just got used to that way of that lifestyle what was it like within your decision process beforehand, before COVID? Because that would have been at the time if COVID hadn't had happened, that would have been quite an unusual way of working. So what was your decision process for that to make that decision?
2: That, that was actually a selfish decision on my behalf. Um, I've, I've been part of a few startups that have been going uh, fairly well and the last one extremely well. Mm. And uh, then I haven't been focusing on working that much for a few years. And uh, now when I started up this one uh, together with other guys, I said that I don't really know where I'm gonna live in the world. Uh, so I, I cannot uh, take part of a of a new startup where I'm bound to sit in a specific office in a specific country because I, I will and uh, need to have the flexibility to actually sit wherever. Mm. And then we said that, and it doesn't feel fair that it's, oh, that it's only me who get this opportunity. So um, we said with other ones that, Let's do it for everyone, and and to be fair, we didn't really believe that this company would grow. As it does, uh, we we just wanted to have a small company and uh, we were happy if we were going around and just had salary for all the founders. That was kind of our idea in the beginning. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I suppose there's definitely an argument then for creating high performance teams if the whole team's remote <laughs> and then you doing really well out of it. So uh, before we, you know, move on to party, just. Come in again with your thoughts on what's been said there.
1: Um, I, I uh, One thing I wanted to say is it's not very uncommon pre-pandemic for people to be remote. There are a lot of okay. uh, really known companies that have been worked, especially in game business. It's fairly common to have fully remote companies. Uh, like, like I have loads of friends that do that. And it is also connected not only with the what Marcus said, but also with the fact that you can have a better quality of life if you're not forced to live in the city where the company is. Mm-hmm. What happens if I want to work? Like, Let's imagine Marcus has this great company I would love to work, with, but I hate the city he lives in. So it puts me in a situation where I'm forced to move or I will never be able to work with, with a good company. And, and that shouldn't be like that at all. And the other hand is the same for the company. There are these amazing talents around the world. Why do you have to limit yourself in having only the talent on your regional uh, area, in your region? And, and if you are focusing on having high productivity teams, having the best talents is a really strong point for that. And, being open for this kind of setup can help yeah. a lot.
0: Yeah, and go on, Ricard, what we were gonna say.
4: Well, I, I was thinking that I've had the experience, this is really a cultural issue because they're individuals. And the, when growing a team and you meet different cultures, you need to treat each person as an individual and that suddenly becomes hard. So it's a managerial, it's a management perspective here. Some people need to be controlled and expects to be controlled many times per day. Some people do not. And that's a really hard shift when moving from a few people where you just do what you should do to growing to a real company. And this is an issue I haven't solved, but it's it's a problem. It would be much if easier if all people were robots and just did what you should. And then you would say creativity is for somebody else, but that's not how it works. And it would be much less productive in the long run. So th- this is a management issue, I think, and it needs to, there are no management books in this subject yet. Go on, uh,
1: I will fix my, my mistake, my initial mistake, and answer, <laughs> Like the, uh, yeah, which is the company I work on. We're creating this UGC platform and we have, over a hundred people in China, but all the managerial, like all the managers in Finland. So completely separated parts of the company. And yeah. people working remote and sometimes in company. I think um, I agree with you culturally, it can be quite complicated to deal with that, but the best way, and it goes back to the first question is communication, is creating these little hubs where the people that need to be controlled more often, they can work together and they control each other. The people that work better uh, autonomously, they are given their choice to do their own thing and then report. It, it's it's being flexible to adapt based on the cultural differences and the personal differences, because also you can be from a country and have a completely different personality from the 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 country Mm -hmm. um it is doable i agree with you it's not as easy as as if you everybody is homogeneous but i think uh, and i'm gonna say being homogeneous also has other problems so (laughs) but being flexible is the key in this point of adapting certain small groups based on the necessity of that those people to to make it work
0: Nice, nice. Is anyone that anyone want to jump in any final points before we uh, before we move on to the next question? Marcus, you have uh, you, you know, taken something from that, I hope?
2: Yeah, I, I did. I did. And, um, and I also I fully agree on the last statement there that uh, to create small teams within the team is super, super important. Uh, and I can add to that one to also have different levels of experience and knowledge uh, within each team as well uh, is a key because you might have a few juniors and as just as if you hire a junior in and you sit in the office it's the same thing there uh, they are going to run in some direction and uh, a lot of time because they want to do stuff and uh, they super keen to deliver but it's not always that they are running in the right direction <laughs> so you kind of need to Chew. keep them back sometimes and Same thing here. And uh, you you kind of need to create a team within the team and you need to be able to scale. So you're going to have some people that are showing that they can deliver themselves and then put them together with other ones.
0: Brilliant. Okay. Well, let's let's change direction slightly then from uh, what we were talking about there. And we'll go into our next question, which is going to come from Patty. So please, will you give us the next question?
1: I, I will disappoint you completely because we're not moving in any different reaction, direction. Uh, my question is how can us leaders better deal with the mental health imbalance, balance of positive company culture and performance while managing multicultural diverse teams, especially as we were talking, if you're talking remote or hybrid, everybody has different setups. So how do you think we can balance this mental health culture and position at the same time?
0: Okay, yeah, interesting, because obviously, massive aspects that relates to performance and then within creating high performance teams, you need to make sure that all your, you know, the workers, the part of the team are operating efficiently, are feeling healthier, feeling the benefits um, from a good work life balance. So very interesting uh, sort of subtopic to tackle. So let's hear from Diana on uh, your th- initial thoughts on this question.
3: I um, On this question, I would say, again, it comes back to what I said at the beginning, um, trust. Um, you have to have open-minded people on the other side, um, even if you're the manager, and they have to be able to speak to you when they're not okay. Uh, also, you have to kind of flag where they're like not performing or underperforming in which way, whatever way it is, and, and, and see with them what the issue is. Um, if it's a personal issue, if it's a you know company issue, is if working from home is not the thing and they need to go into a studio, what is it uh, to be able to kind of solve the issue? Is it a cultural thing, and therefore um, uh, maybe team up with somebody who's like? has a culture close to you and then you feel more at home, more like homey kind of thing, uh, what it could be, you can only act if you know what's going on and the only person I can tell you that is the one who's having the issue. So,
0: so. you'd suggest like creating uh, a sort of culture that sort of presents that the people who are feeling these issues can openly come and like suggest yeah. these things?
3: yeah and 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 again no judgment uh, it's just you know why why is that so and it could be also that they they don't want to be there anymore that they want to go somewhere else and therefore you probably have to help them out too and uh, i think uh, that is a question where trust comes kicks in quite hard i mean it is really the
0: the key of it mm-hmm. okay um Rickard, go on then
4: well, we shouldn't forget that it's, it's also the trust of when people overperform. I've seen quite a few times, actually, people that do work from home and they feel they need to produce, need to produce, and in the end, they're not doing good at all. They actually break down as people. And that's not a valuable employee. And it's hard to communicate that they are not valuable if they break down because it's it comes from within. So this this trust is two-sided it's not just underperforming it's also overachieving mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. go on marcus
2: yeah no i i just want to jump in on the mental health aspect as well that you uh, put into the question and i think that that's quite interesting because it's of course difficult to see how people are feeling uh, when you don't sit in the same room it's a way it can be difficult then as well <laughs> but no. it's it's uh, way more easy to see it when you when they sit in front of you, uh, apart from when they sit and just uh, yes, talk to you. And uh, the way we try to tackle it anyway is that we um, we try to incentivize a few things in order to uh, keep kind of a, a healthy lifestyle and uh, and in prolonging a healthy also environment for the entire company. And that is that a we don't want people to work too much and uh, if i see people are sitting up in the evenings we are telling them not to do it because it's yeah because if you if you're frank uh, if you're working uh, 10 hours and the 11th hour when you sit and work you're not going to produce anything so it's better to work eight hours productively each day instead of Mm -hmm. instead of actually working too many hours and not produce much and the second thing is that help them to pay for uh, uh, health activities gym cards etc all these kind of things make sure they don't they do not have to pay for it themselves and it's quite common in sweden uh, there are a few countries that also have it but uh, there are some countries never ever heard of it mm-hmm. and and we we do it regardless of where people are and I, I think that's kind of a good thing as well that we want them to actually do something else than just sitting in in front of the computer.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, just from my perspective, what you said there about like paying for a gym membership or something, just my company Evolution does that for us. Like we get a free gym membership and I've loved that part of it. Like I'm really into it at the minute and uh, probably something I don't think I would have to be bothered a bit too much if it if it wasn't that case that it was free and I was able to do it. Uh, but it, for my mental health, I think it's been brilliant, and uh, I would probably related to my performance as well. So it was, yeah, just thought it was an interesting aspect that you said there. Go on, Patty. What what were you going to say?
1: I I think all the points you did was very valid. I just wanted to to add something to the question and see what you think is how do you deal with the people that even though the communication is open the channel is there the people can talk you're not going to judge them they're not going to be punished by being uh, upset everything is done by the book but still there are people that will have difficulty open up just because it either because their culture is not normal for them to complain about that for the bosses. Sometimes it's a personal thing. I see by my husband, he burned down, but he wouldn't, until the time that he wanted to kill people so tired he was, he wouldn't say anything. And, and it's not because his company was bad or because they were, he couldn't, he literally couldn't tell people how he felt, even to me. I had to see other signs. So what would be your advice for, for companies that have people like that? They are great employees, but they are not going to be able to express. And that is not even if it is remote or in, in office, they wouldn't be able to express even if they were in the office together.
0: It's a, it's a, definitely a very, uh, you know, quite difficult thing to, to answer. Because, and it's a very important thing to answer. Does anyone... No, want to have a have a shot at it? On, there is one shot oh, I could Rick say. Uh, um,
4: there there are, and I've actually tried these. There are tools. I mean, now we're speaking virtual. I mean, apps and similar, where we kind of ment, which looks at your mental status, and they actually do work. There is science behind it, and and they're built on science, and and. When you get the feeling that something is wrong from based from previous experiences, usually something is wrong. And it could be alcohol, it could be breakdown of a marriage, or it could just be that the person tries to achieve too much. And when you get that feeling, you it's an alert bell which is really, really, really serious. And you need to consider it very much. And it's awful because it consumes much more time than a happy employee. <laughs> but it's actually worth it, and it's not just as a manager. It as a human being, it's worth it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Go on, Marcus.
2: No, I, I fully, I fully. First of all, I have to say, sometimes it can be uh, totally impossible to spot, and uh, uh, some people are extremely good at hiding how they mm-hmm. feel, and uh, and then then you might not be able to spot it at all. But, but I would I would kind of, if person has a depression, I've been working with uh, quite a lot of people who had a lot of issues in the former companies and uh, it's kind of, you see signs, you see kind of like, are, are people lacking motivation? For example, um, did it used to deliver better? And <laughs> now they are, do not. So you see kind of trend differences. It can also be that they feel bad uh, because something happened uh, during the period of time in their life, of course, uh, but do they seem tired when you speak to them? Uh, lack of sleep, these kind of normal things, uh, but you always have to look into it from kind of, what, what was the, how how were the person before and how do they act now? And if it's huge uh, change or if you see a change in the behavior or in the delivery, then it's usually something that you can talk about. And and what we have tried to do before is that we usually say that you don't have to talk to me, uh, but talk to someone and we can also pay for, um, for consultancy with uh, uh, medical advice or whatever it might be. And mm-hmm. the, the company takes that, but uh, it's better you talk to someone I'm I fully understand you do not want to talk to me because I'm the boss or I'm the coworker, or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really, really brilliant like, incentive. And I think that relates a little bit to what Diana was saying earlier about the the element of trust. Like they, they might not trust, you might not have to build that trust up enough. And what Patty was saying, like even you can have all these aspects in place, but you might not have to build that trust up enough for them to come and talk to you. But if they trust you enough just to say, i could i could do with talking to somebody else if you could facilitate that then that's massive and that could be you know huge for their their mental health and then going forward their like quality of uh like working and life balance and all the rest of it um go on patty what, what do you want to jump in
1: i don't know if diana wanted to say something first sorry diana if it oh, was... it. Uh, go for Go the, uh, the only thing i would come i agree with all of you but i think it, i would also add that it's important important especially if it is a person that is naturally quiet and you know because when you hire the person you have the interview you know how the you work with this person you know that the person is quiet is not to put too much on the spot a lot of people they feel more threatened and, and feel worse if they are put like oh you are depressed you have a problem go talk to a professional they they immediately feel like, "Oh, I'm gonna be dismissed uh, like i'm I'm doing something wrong uh like b- putting the spotlight that I think uh, it, it's important to 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 realize that we're not trying to find all the solutions here and plus the the panel is not about mental health, and I'm really sorry because we're going to going forever on that yeah. but just to know that as a manager, if you're dealing with the team and you want to keep the productivity high you have to keep an open mind about how you're going to do. and that each individual is different and you have to be open to adapt and change. You're not going to find a magic solution but if you show that you're willing to work with your team, the team is going to be willing to work back with you. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. I do think so. I, had, I can give you an example of something like that. I had a when I arrived at um, Starbreeze, I had one of my technical animators, I said hello to him and it took him four hours to say hello back. Uh, since then, uh, today he conducts interviews, uh, he has somebody under his wing, uh, he, uh, he does wrestling for somebody who doesn't uh, I mean and we went to see him and support him Uh, so um, he's been doing pretty well the only thing that I probably did with him is again I showed him I can trust him that he can speak to me that I'm there and whenever he wanted to take a step forward that I will support him Uh, and whatever decision he makes because after all he is the one who feels bad if he wants to start, speak to me fine. If he wants help from somebody else. OK, and I will make room and time for him to be able to do it. I think the fact that he feels supported and comfortable uh, helped him to open up and become the, the guy that he is today. And believe me, there's a 180, you know, even 360 change mm-hmm. uh, in who he was and how he is today and his work. Um, I mean, I think uh, when I started out with him, he was okay. or by he was just doing his job. But today he takes initiatives, he moves forward, he comes with ideas, he all boosts up. So I think it's also about supporting and trusting our guys and when they tell us something, even if they don't want to, yeah, I'll make room for you. I'll take, you know, I support you in whatever decision you make in order for you to feel better and move forward. Mm
0: it's a really really good uh good to hear that and uh hopefully that you know offers some help and some advice for anybody else to be listening in terms of like managers and ways you can set up to help support the rest of the team as well um so thank you for that patty because it was i know it was a little bit of a tangent off to from the question but a really good point uh nonetheless so We'll change, uh, well, well, we'll sort of stick with the theme of remote working slightly, but we're going to change uh, into Diana's question. So, Diana, please, can you uh, give us your question?
3: Uh, yeah, my question was um, while working remotely or in a hybrid kind of environment, uh, what what can you do or how can you assess uh, your team's? Um, you know uh needs uh if they need anything if they while they are underperforming or overperforming which is really true when they're overperforming how can you assess that how can you can you say okay this is the best solution for you while working or this is not a good solution and we have to work this out you as a manager how can you deal with that
0: Okay, and uh, I'm gonna flip this around before we go on to anybody else then, Diana, I'm gonna get your opinion on your own question and think how, you know, what do you think is, is the, like, the, the way to go about it?
3: I think I've said it like a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, again, uh, for me is just, you know, being able to communicate, which was mm-hmm. already mentioned, um, trust. And I think supporting your team. And for my, on my side, um, I don't know how you guys measure uh, the 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 fact that somebody's working. I mean, they're doing overperforming or underperforming. For me, it's pretty easy. It's just able to to go in and see his animation work uh, in that sense, and, and how he has been um, productive in within the time that we, we give him, which is a pretty straightforward kind of thing. Um, and and and. I deal with something that is artistic also. So you everybody has you know, more or less the opinion of how artistic it could be, how technical it could be uh, and how good it looks. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's pretty easy to kind of assess when they're over or underperforming uh, uh, in that sense. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think, what i have been doing in that sense is is try to make them work just a normal time uh when i need them to you know kick the i kick them out uh, <laughs> the ones in the studio uh i kick them out and when i see them like staying over time whatever I, uh, friday afternoon you know because it's friday i let them go a little bit early try to regulate their schedules because they're still young for the ones that i have uh, in the studio and the other ones outside is you know, by talking to them and and see more or less when they get into Slack or whatever channel you use, Discord or whatever, and try to assess because I got guys who go up to 60 to 80 hours a week. And that is not right. That is not. Even they love their job. (laughs) That is not right.
0: It's too much for anyone. (laughs) No, (laughs) as soon as you were saying the question, I I was thinking, yeah, there, there must be an element of trust in this as well. Um, but this will be interesting to hear from you, Marcus, from like a sort of KPI's perspective, uh, you know, especially working remotely. How how do you measure that? How do you, you know, sort of monitor that?
2: Uh, Team-wise, uh, what, what we usually do is that we, uh, first of all, we need to have a very clear and uh, organized structure uh, while working remotely, of course, and uh, looking into uh, when we are doing something to uh, specify exactly what are we going to do uh, what is the team that is going to do it do we have the right competences within the team and um, do we also have all the levels because we have kind of three levels uh, uh, senior mid-level and then we have the junior ones coming in uh, but and assess if they have everything we usually do follow-ups so we do um, we do uh, kind of stand-ups we do follow-ups uh, and to see where are we, and uh, trying to see kind of, in the end, where are we going to go? Uh, what is the game going to be? Uh, because we are building games, so <laughs> and uh, uh, so, what what is the game going to be about? And our our productions are usually not that long uh, compared to uh, AAA uh, games, for example. So we are they are fairly short. Um, so what we do is that we look into the end, and then we go backwards, and then we break down everything, and then we can spot quite early on to see. Are we on the right path? Are we actually delivering? And if we are not, then we can always go to the team. And uh, this is related to the question to kind of see the KPI-wise. Uh, have we delivered what we should deliver on up until this date? Otherwise, we always go to the team and then we talk to them and see why are we not there? Uh, we, we might be further or we might be behind, but then always talk to them to see, do they actually have what they need? Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, have we not given them? If there's something they are lacking from our side, uh, maybe uh, something took longer, etc. And then trying to kind of meddle and fix uh, during the production. But but it is, it is of course difficult to uh, to spot everything and to have specific KPIs when it comes mm-hmm. to
0: uh, teams like this. Yeah. Go on,
4: well, uh, I should say this is the, I would say the hardest part because if you, if you know what you have developed and you've developed similar stuff before, then it's the, how should I, rather straightforward, you just do it again. But if you go into unknown territory, it suddenly becomes much more advanced, I would say. And spotting if somebody's performing when you don't know if it's going to take a few days or a few weeks is hard to say the least. Uh, I would, and I would say this is where again we said we've said the word trust really many times, and this is where it comes in again. But it's um, this is one of the hardest part I know about teamwork because this is where you need to trust that people are doing what they should and have what they tools they need and communicate if they don't have. You need to have all this in place, not just one part. And that's, usually there's something wrong there um, because you don't have a perfect environment all the time. So usually you should expect that you have something not perfect, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is a problem in itself, I would say.
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Go on,
0: uh, Patty. let's hear from you.
1: Oh, The funny part, I'm listening to Marcus and Ricardo and... I'm thinking that for me, that's not very different from the development environment when you are in office as well, because people can sit in their computers and do stuff really fast or really slow or like, I I, I understand that, that you still have a difficulty of not being able to go see. But if you are the helicopter boss, always looking on top of the computer and what the developer is doing, that also won't work. People will be super intimidated and and nothing will be done. So I think the lesson that we can learn from this remote environment and pandemic for the people that never worked remote is the things that you are doing because it's a remote work, all the communication, all the trust, it's something that you should learn and do independent of the environment you are in. You have to build a team that you can trust and that trust you to, to tell you what they need. And you have to be able to talk to them at some at, at all times in a respectful and friendly manner. I don't mean people have to be extremely good friends and go to the pub and have a drink every day after work. But they have to be able to talk to each other in a way that is people understand is not offensive and it's constructive and it's for the good and it comes with the fact that everybody's working in that company because they love what they're doing and they love the company and they want to build something great and so i it's not a solution but it's just saying mm-hmm. yeah I, I think in the end it doesn't really matter if it is remote or in, in person it, the, the base is the same
4: I think we're going to be I would say we're going to have this as we now call post-corona. I think this is the way it's going to be because it is much more effective. We've said in our offices we work Tuesdays and Thursdays from the office if you are in the country. And uh, maybe uh, roughly 60% are in the country and uh, and that works rather fine. I would say it works very fine actually. I still believe 10 years from now, we're going to look back and say, oh, how could they do this? They should have thought about this (laughs) because we're going to be better at this in a few years. This is new for all of us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Still, it is still like quite fresh, isn't it? Like we're not fully even out of it. To yeah. like by any means, so it, we are still learning. Um But no, it's a it's a really good uh, question. So thank you, Diana, for that. Um, we'll we'll go into our last question before we wrap up, uh, which is uh, from Ricard. So please, will you give us your question?
4: Well, uh, this comes more into people and as individuals, because this is, I think, it's diversity versus speed. It actually is opposing each other sometimes. You want a team to have a diverse competence uh, or be team members to have different competences but it actually slows the team down in the long run you can't have this or in the long run you need to have diversity but in the short run you just didn't need them to work and when you recruit people I think we all are in growing organizations this is of trouble and uh, how you should think when you recruit here is a big question for me
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Marcus, let's uh, hear your opinions then.
2: Right. Love to answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> now, f- first of all, I, I think um, uh, I, I come from other industries uh, prior to gaming, and um, I can honestly say that other industries might be way more difficult to have a diversity in uh, compared to gaming. So... Uh, I think right now it feels quite simple, or way easier in a way to find diversity in in every single direction, uh, regarding if it's gender, culture, uh, whatever. So uh, we and, and it's kind of natu- it's coming natural when mm-hmm. we are when we are recruiting, and of course it might be that we have a. More uh, single gender in one area compared to another, but since we are working with uh, both developers and then we have the creative people, the artists and game designers, you get the diversity uh, super super naturally, and also uh, the diversity in cultures and backgrounds and everything we get from hiring people all over the world. So, mm-hmm. so I think I. I I had this problem and kind of struggled with it and was thinking how, how can we create a more diversified uh, space or work culture, but right now it's kind of like, it's just there, <laughs> regardless we want it or not, the what <laughs> we want, it's kind of, uh, it's just, we just got it, which which is awesome. Um, yeah. but but I also think that, of course, and and to answer your question as well, is that it's super, super important, I think, to have a diversity in the in the company because it creates a better, stronger company
0: and it's more fun, to be honest. Mm-hmm. No, it's, a, it's <laughs> uh, a really good point. That. Um, yeah. Patty, let's hear from you before I hear from Diana on this.
1: Uh, I think it's all about the people. It, it's more about their skills and, and who they are as, a per, as people and their personalities. And the diversity should start from there. Um, I, I know it's, it's very, very nice to hear that from a woman and that I could come and come all feminist and say, no, you have to hire more women. I am a very weird person because... Uh, Every time I I applied for a company, I wanted to be hired for what I am, what I studied, what I know, the skills I have, and not because someone has to uh, like, feel uh, a certain parameter that they have to have a few number of women or or of people in different cultures or different skin colors, because otherwise they are going to be seen as racist coming out. I don't want companies like that. I want companies that see diversity because it's the diversity of skills, of experiences, of living backgrounds, of that you can have only if you lived in different countries, and if you traveled, and if you had different uh, family histories. And And, and I think uh, answering in regards because I think that the key to get that is, is in the recruitment process itself is to go beyond the curriculum and go beyond what is written there and how good the university is and and how prestigious are are the companies that the person worked and to see what are the products that this person can create. What are, uh, what is the, uh, how do you feel when you are interviewing this person? What are the experiences that this person have also in personal life, like being able to actually sit and have a conversation that is beyond how do you answer this, how do you solve this problem mm-hmm. and and really try to figure out the person and you how you're going to feel working with this person, how the team is going to feel working with this person day by day is, is the key. And I wanted to raise just one before I go go to so Diana that. It's very important that the manager understands that this is for the team, not for the manager. Mm. The manager is going to be just managing. That's what we do. But the team has to work with this person every day. So it has to be someone that has not only diversity, but it has the right personality for that team that will actually fit and add value instead of, of creating conflict.
0: I think that's a really interesting point, because obviously the topic is creating high performance teams. So, you know, the the most high performance team is going to be a mixture of the people that are like one best best at the role that they do. Not necessarily hired on like what they what they can bring to the team and what they do, not based on like, you know, ticking a box or some something like that. I think that's massively important. And what you said there, it might be. That might not mean it's best for the manager if they've got like a, some sort of diversity agenda to meet, but necessarily the team's performance might actually be increased massively because they have brought in someone who's a much higher skill set or better for the role. Um, so it is an interesting point. So go on, Diana. Let's hear from you.
3: Oh, for me. So I do join, Patty. When I recruit somebody, I recruit an individual. Uh, who has the skills that we need because that's what we're all looking for at first but yeah again uh, we were looking also for a person and sometimes i found myself to have having a very very skilled you know a very skilled individual in front of me but as a person it's not going to bring you that much Mm -hmm. i also make the team uh join for the recruitment process because they are the ones who's going to work with that individual more than I would. I will manage, yeah, but they need to work with them. So they also have to agree that that personality also fits with what they do with what they are, with what the team that, you know, the type of team that we set up. So that is really important and I already found myself, you know, like being divided with the team like, yeah, I like the person but they see something else. One thing that I learned is to listen to my team, and that is very important uh, in that sense. I think that if they spotted something that I might not have, it's because, you know, probably that person would not fit. Having somebody who's less skilled, but uh, skilled enough to do the job, um, but really fits the team, I think that is more important because skills you can teach that person, you can push it to have those skills, but not to be somebody who you know that comes naturally. That's who you are. That's who that individual will be. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've learned through this process like that that it has to be you know the team has to be involved at some point and they have to fit with them, not only with me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Most
3: important with them. Um, later on to have, you know, this kind of thing that you manage, where, you mentioned where, um, you know, you, you, you want to have that individual perform uh, and then in the long run, you know, have more out of that individual. I think that in the long run, once you have that, that fits the team and everything and that person, you know, that can do the job. Also offer him a career path, you know, interesting. And a little career path doesn't mean it it means, you know, maybe uh, he's lacking of this type of things that he want to do. sit down with a for my instance, a a coder that would show him how to code, you know, uh, whenever we have a little bit time in in between projects, Uh, help an animator to become from uh, a a junior to a mid level or from a mid level to a senior or start training him little by little to become a, a lead you know, Mm -hmm. a a lot of different things that everybody has an idea of what they want to to do later on and that is one way to have it to have the individuals gain more skills that will serve you in the long run uh, and they'll be happy for it so
0: yeah, Yeah. go on Pai
1: it's just to finish we could have another panel about this again, like (laughs) we could do the individual panels of all these things but I wanted to to drop a question to this, like when you are hiring, do you prefer a person that doesn't fit all the skill sets that you have, but has the perfect personality for your team, or is is are the, those things that you wrote on the on the application like deal breakers for you? How do you deal with that? Core markers. Go on, for it.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, I from from our perspective we always look into and uh, we, we use the the what what they actually write is just part one part of it and that's just getting into the door and uh, we, we might want a few things but uh, from experience the best ones that i ever worked with are the ones that haven't really had awesome uh, colleges universities or whatever uh, they have been more hungry and really wanted they're keen to learn and um, yeah. and we we really want to get the people that we feel are they want to be with us they want to hang with us they actually want to do something yeah and uh, and rather to have that one uh, even if they do not have every single uh, thing that we wished in the beginning it doesn't really matter rather to have someone that we think that this is gonna be a perfect person to fit culturally with us that we're gonna to want to work with, that we should have, uh, because we want to have fun during the days. Yeah. <laughs> we we it, actually it, it, want to hang with them.
4: Uh, I, I really would need to fill in with Marcus here saying that the thing is that when you recruit, you believe you recruit for something, but usually down the road, you found out you were doing something else. And if you have a strong individual that wants to work and wants to have fun, you can solve the rest. Whereas the opposite is really a problem, and, and that's where the, that's where this diversity becomes more important. You need individuals that want to drive your company. Mm. Mm.
0: It, from my perspective, in um, be, obviously being in recruitment and recruiting freelancers, from a freelance perspective, it is been very very important i found speaking to hiring managers when they want to bring in like a consultant for like six to twelve months there a lot of managers say that the personality of the person is massively important compared to the like they've got to fit the culture of the team because if they're just going in there they've got to click with the team you know in a short space of time and then leave it's really to have that sometimes could disrupt a team and not make it so high performance, even though the skill set is, you know, brilliant and brilliant experience. So the cultural aspect of like bringing in the right personality in the right team, just from my uh, experience, bringing in freelancers, and then I suppose it's just as important bringing in, you know, full time positions as well um is a massive aspect. So yeah, that's just something I wanted to mention. But uh go on Rick is that you know, from hearing from everybody there, has that answered your question. You got I, some I love the yet?
4: answers I got them um, because it's it kind of strengthened my thesis that Trust in individu- individuals is more important than management and robots, but it's, <laughs> but then again, you need the systems, and I think we're going to have dis- different systems in a few years from now because we're learning so much. Mm-hmm. People are using Discord just to sit down and maybe talk, but not just to talk. Yeah, and uh, and that that is really something new. It was not available five years ago. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, well, that's uh, all four of our questions. Is anybody else got any uh, final points they want to mention, or are we all okay to leave it there? All good? I want
1: another. I want another podcast about recruitment because I want to fight <laughs> this.
0: You're more than welcome, Patty. <laughs> yeah, you do the next one. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Right. Well, thank you all. Thanks, all Andy. Our, it's
4: been a good time. Much no thank
0: problem thank you very, uh, very much
4: so we'll
0: leave that there for this week um it, this has been another episode of the evolution exchange podcast so i want to just take this opportunity quickly to thank patty Ricard, marcus and diana for being on there and sharing some really insightful stuff and hopefully you listeners have got something from it if you would like to get involved on one of our upcoming podcasts please feel free to reach out to me on linkedin uh, but for now we'll see you next time